0: Alright, another episode of Elevated DIY coming at you here. Um, So today's episode is going to be all about late season mule deer hunting. So we're kind of coming into the the mid-season, so I'm going to cover... Um, you know this pre rut, rut, and then post rut, and and I just think it's a great topic for right now, as is everybody starting to hunt mule deer um for this mid season and late season, and so get you guys some tips and tactics that'll that'll help you out there in the field to connect with that big old moss horn muley buck you guys are looking for, and and the one I'm looking for too. So always a good refresher course and. It's just been great you guys have been giving me a ton of ideas I've got a, a notebook full of ideas for podcast episodes so so now it's just about picking the right episode that that fits the time of year we're in and and uh, like I say I think right now is a great time to talk about mule deer as I'm starting to switch gears and and my elk season is over and and now I'm looking to hunt some deer in the pre-rut uh, like I've mentioned before with with my daughter we're gonna head over this weekend and then I'll I'll start kind of hunting these mule deer and then I'll get really serious for the rut and then i also have a later hunt that takes place in january that'll be post-rut um so you know hunting these mule deer like right now is going to be the toughest season you can you can hunt a mule deer i mean these things just um they kind of you know, shed their their velvet and kinda get away from their their alpine living, uh, easy living, um, staying out later habits. They just seem to tighten up their programs to where they you know, they don't stay out as long in the morning and they, they don't come out as early in the evening and, and they're just kinda feeding getting ready for that rut. And the bucks are kinda hanging by themselves this time of year or hanging in bachelor crews, but they just tighten up their program and in a couple different ways you you can go you know whether you're you're hunting the mountains you know and if you're hunting the mountains these bucks um they drop out of the alpine basins and they still stay in that gnarly country but they just drop down a thousand to two thousand feet off off their top alpine basins that they live and they just they live in more cover and come out in in little openings little avalanche shoots and in little meadows and and feet across they um, they're tough to spot this time of year and, and tough to hunt, but they're not impossible. And and it, if you're not hunting the mountains and you're hunting um, coolie country or you're cutting hunting uh, desert or, you know, any other landscape that these deer are, get in. And, and I really like hunting this type of terrain this year. It's just... Um, you know, you're, you're able to cover more country, you know, whether you're, you know, you're camping out of a vehicle, but you can change locations and and search out different places. And, and then it's a matter, you know, you're really playing getting out of the pressure, whether you're in the mountains or you're hunting desert or coulee country. So, um, you know, this time of year, these bucks tighten up their programs, but... But they're still coming out and feeding, and they're still showing themselves. You know, it's just that, that first hour and last hour are just so important this time of year. And, and, and then the rest of your day, you know, can be spent glassing off different vantage points. But really, that's that's the time to catch these things moving. And, and these bucks, they just like to find little isolated spots where they're not getting pressured, and they're, they're not getting bothered, um, where they can just feed around and get ready for the rut. They're not traveling a ton of country this time of year. Here. um you know they, they'll they start as we get closer to to pre-rut or or closer to the rut uh you know usually about november 1st these bucks will start traveling and start looking for does and and start covering country but right now um you know they're just in little spots where they don't get bothered and so like if i'm if i'm hunting the mountains i try to look for you know a really good vantage point and then i'm going to be sitting on that vantage point come first light and and mule deer differs a little bit from from elk as far as sitting on the vantage point. Once I find the master vantage point that's gonna lay out that lower detail country, you know, that's a couple thousand feet lower, those avalanche chutes and little openings and things, I'm gonna sit on that master vantage and I'm gonna sit there all morning long. I'm gonna look to just catch one of those those gray ghosts just crossing in one of those openings. And, and what I'm trying to do is just locate them first. I wanna sit on the master vantage and and look around and and I just want to find one of these bucks one of these bucks that that's good enough or or meets my expectations for what I want to harvest and and uh, be able to to then hunt that buck and so um, in the mountains, I'll just work really hard in the dark or the the night before, and get into that good vantage point, and then just glassing in the morning. I mean, uh, you know, I I may move vantage points after I look for an hour or so, but you really want to sit behind your glass. Those great ghosts are just tough to spot this time of year, and and, and then you know, if I'm hunting the the coolie country, which I do a lot of times, I'm gonna head over with my daughter, um, out out east, out here eastern Montana. It's just a great place, great um high numbers of deer high populations and and some nice bucks out there and so um you know our our uh uh method of hunting them out there is is we pretty much live out of the truck and so the mountains are great i say like the, the the there's good and bad points the mountains You know, you have a chance to find bigger deer, it always seems like to me, just because it's the vastness of the country and and the toughness of it. And so you've got this chance to find that giant, huge horned buck you want to see, but you really have to commit to the spot. And so if you're going into a spot or hiking in with your backpack, living out of your backpack, that's pretty much the spot you're going to hunt for the next couple two three days or the whole weekend you're going to commit to that spot and so you don't seem to see the numbers but you have a chance to see those bigger deer and and uh, uh and two it's just getting in the right spot it's not that you can't see huge numbers in and through there but usually this time of year you pick a spot and and uh you may go a, a time sitting on the vantage where you where you don't see a buck, and, and and then you know when I'm hunting that coolie country, advantages are you know bigger bucks are tougher to find, but you can relocate, and and I like to use like a mo- mobile truck camp, and so what I'll do is I'll I'll live out of my truck with a cooler, and then I'll um, a lot of times if it's dry I'll just sleep in the in the back in the bed of my truck and wrap myself up in canvas sleeping bag sleep there, and then all my stuffs in the truck, so in the morning. I don't got to come back to a base camp. I can just drive and if I end up a hundred miles from where I started, it's fine You know, I I don't got to come back to a base camp You know that or i if it's gonna rain or something like that, I'll I'll set up a pup tent and and sleep in a pup tent and then throw my stuff in in the morning. Um, but but what it allows you to do, it just allows you to cover more country, use your vehicle as a tool to get you to different locations to where then you know you can hunt you know a, a hike in spot in the morning and then you know you can go to a totally different spot that that afternoon or evening and hike into a different spot to where the mountains you're you're pretty well stuck where you picked, which could be good if you're into the bucks, but. Um, so, so in this, in this Cooley country, you know, I like to be mobile. I like to hunt for my truck and then, and then I just pretty much day hunt. And I, you know, I start a couple hours before daybreak hiking into a spot to get to the vantage points I want. And what I do is I, before I leave, I do a lot of map study. And and what I'm looking for on my map study is I'm you know, I'm looking for spots that don't have roads and, and doesn't have access and, you know, tracks of land that you gotta hike into and, and that those are my starting points, you know, especially in this coolie country where there is more hunting pressure and so, you know, I'm just looking for, you know, six to to ten square miles that that doesn't have any roads and doesn't have any access. And and then I circle that spot on my map and that's a spot that I'll hike into. And so I'll start in the morning, sleep in a spot, maybe I'll sleep close to that, get up, throw my stuff in the truck a couple hours before daybreak, park at the spot, and then I start hiking in and and usually I've done my research, I know the vantage point I want to get to, and I try to get to a vantage point that lays out just a bunch of country where I can look over. The mo- The more country you can look over, the better off you are, and, and binos, and, and then your scope, and looking long distances, and just looking to locate that deer, same as in the mountains. You got to locate them before you can kill them, and, and, uh, so I like hiking to these these vast tracts of land, hiking in there, get in there and then I hunt those tracts of land and then I assess how good the hunting was, you know, what did I what did I see in there? And and usually I can get a pretty good idea if I hunt a place in the morning and I was at the right spots at the right times, I know that there's just does in here and maybe a couple smaller bucks or I'll I'll see a couple decent bucks and and then I'll say, you know, gosh, this might be a good place to look tonight. And then, and this time of year, you know, the bucks um, they can be solo, but they can also be in bachelor crews. So, you know, if you find one, you you may find more in there. And uh, so what I what I try to do, I try to hike into these vast tracks, get to these good vantage points, assess what's in there. And, and then I make my next play, you know, and, and I'll have multiple of these spots circled on my map. And they may be 10 miles away from each other. But I know that I'm going to hike in this spot, hunt it, see what lives in there. And then, you know, if I don't see what I'm looking for, then I'm back to the truck, get a little lunch, make myself a sandwich, I drive to the next spot and I'm hiking in and trying to get to a vantage point for evening, you know, looking over another vast track of land, just I'm looking for these good bucks this time of year and And like I say, this, this earlier season, you know, you, you want to focus on these vantage points and looking for these bucks, and then you can work those ridge lines and work farther back for the next couple hours of light, just trying to catch them or catch a bedded buck or catch where these bucks are hanging out. Um, Like I say, as you get more into this pre-rut, you're going to catch more bucks moving to where you can sit on this vantage point, you know, for a few hours or even, even, uh, Uh, half a day up and through there and and catch bucks moving through and especially during the rut i mean these things are gonna really start cruising country in the rut Um, bucks seem to travel you know they travel ridge lines and and things like that but i i noticed like in the coulee country there there's you know, the side hills, there's big drainages in the bottom and those drainages in the bottom are kind of crick bottoms and they run flat, but they cover just a ton of country where if you were traveling up above and the coolies are in the side hills, it'd take you a lot longer. What I find is these bucks drop down at night and then they start looking for does and in all these bottoms in here and they can cruise. I mean, I've seen bucks five six miles in a night see him in one spot see him six miles away the next morning they just travel these drainages and so they come down at night and really travel those things and so you want to use your vantage points to be able to look over these these big drainages where these bucks are chasing this time of year and and, uh you know the closer we get to the rut and november 1st the rut kind of kicks off by november 6th or 7th of course these are all montana dates up north and and everybody's going to be different across the country and as we get you know, uh, southern southern uh, United States. You know the bucks are gonna lay, uh, rut later, but here in Montana, they try to use. You know, November first is really the start of the pre-rut when these things start cruising, and then about November sixth or seventh, the rut's on, and it and it goes. You know, all the way till the end of November, November thirtieth, and I like to think of the peak is right around, oh, November fifteenth to November twentieth, right in there. Um, so, so I travel this country and I I really don't change my techniques too much, you know, once the, the rut comes on, I'm still hunting these vast tracts of land and these bigger bucks that grow up, um, you know, they just, they just know, you know, if it can be somewhere where somebody can glass it from a road, or somebody can see him easy, that that buck gets shot at three or four years old and never grows up to be a giant. And so, you want to look for these spots and these drainages that are that are secluded from pressure that you got to hike into and put some effort, and that's where those bucks can really grow up and, and become those super mature deer that that we're all looking for. And so, you want to key in on these on these back spots and. And not to say that you can't do a little scouting too, um, driving around and looking around. I'll find populations of deer cruising country, and maybe middle of the day I'll say, "Well, I'll check this out." And and you're not going to see a whole lot of deer middle of the day, but if you're in a hot spot, you're going to start picking out deer. And and uh, so it's not a bad idea if it's not a not an area you're familiar with. You know, I I love hiking in, and that's the prime way I'm going to hunt this. Is I'm going to hike into different locations. But if you're having trouble finding deer you know, take a morning and, and cruise roads and glass off roads and, and glass for spots, and you're not looking for your giant shooter buck. Like I say, any spot that you can see, buck's been shot out of, but what it will tell you is where populations are living. So if you start to see really good high numbers of does and smaller bucks and things of that nature, you know that's a good area, and that's an area where now you want to look back at your map and you want to find, you know, uh, so where can I hike in? Where's a where's a spot or a track of land around all these deer numbers I'm seeing where I can hike in and maybe find, you know, another buck in there and, and, uh, be able to get on them and so you know it's not a bad thing to take a morning or an evening if you're not familiar with it or if you're having trouble getting on game and just use it as a scouting morning and just say well i'm going to cruise around in glass and i'm, I'm not expecting to shoot one or, or see one i can shoot but i but i am expecting to find deer numbers i want to find where these deer are hanging out so then i can focus my energy you know on this spot where they're hanging out and and you know the in today's day and age um you, know, you can find good deer, national forests, or big tracks of state land and things, but but a lot of these good honey holes that I'm finding in these high-pressure areas are spots that are a little bit tougher to navigate, and so I'll find tracks of state land that are bordered by private, and I, you know, I use my GPS with the Onyx maps, or now they have an app for your phone, which is just awesome. I think that app for your phone is better than the GPS. It just shows so much more detail Uh, the topography I can't see anything on my GPS I mean that that dang thing I mean it's got such a small screen and and by the time I zoom in and get the topography I want I can't see the big picture but the phone I can actually see what I want to see on there I can see the topography I can see the public private I can see my access in and I can see a big enough picture to see uh, what's going on um, so I, I really like using that phone app, and the, you know, the only thing with the phone app is you got to have service, or you can you can catch your maps, which is uh, save your maps on there, which which is what I like to do. I like to save the maps that I'm going to be using, and then your GPS still works in there. But man, that is just an awesome program. I mean, um, it, it's a it's a new tool for us new age hunters that that just. Uh, makes it so much easier to navigate into these tracks but but a lot of times when i'm hunting these high pressure spots is is i'm i'm not looking in the national forest where there's there's roads cutting and cruising around everywhere you know i'm i'm looking for eight sections of state land somewhere or maybe it's one section of state land that kisses the road that then opens up to 10 or 15 or or 20 sections of state land and maybe there's no road in there and you got to hike in but those are the money spots for me especially when I'm when I'm hunting coulee country and when I'm hunting high desert and when I'm when I'm hunting some of this different terrain that I hunt a lot in the late season and so um, when you're looking on your map, I mean, look for these little islands of public land that sit uh, uh, or islands of public land that sit amongst private in there, and, and look for small access points. And these are just awesome points to to hike into and look around, and and, and there's a lot of good bucks that are hanging in those spots, and so that's kind of one of my secrets for hunting high pressure country as i as i get to the the tougher to access spots and i i've got this spot i'm going to this year that i'm gonna bow hunt that i've that i found that's just an awesome spot it's um and it's it's that exact scenario where it's um Uh, just a a small track that touches the road and then it cruises back in there and just goes canyon over canyon and it's basically just a couple miles wide but it travels for about 10 miles and there's no access point on it and there's just some some big old mature deer in there um so you know and even this spot you know i don't know if i can quite day hunt it just because it is so far to get in there you know it, it may take me three four hours to get in there and so um I don't know I may take I may take my pup tent this year and do like a, an overnight or a weekend trip just because I know this spot's good and I've been in here before and know there's a bunch of mature bucks in there that I'll just park my truck and I'll take a lightweight camp for the weekend and then I'm going to get way back into this country and and back where I've got it all to myself and and then I'm going to sit in there and, and hunt that place and you know hopefully I kill a nice buck out of there so um, I, I'm really looking forward to this this spot I got here in in Montana I, I spent, I I don't even know how many days I've spent out in eastern Montana locating spots, and I shot a lot of nice bucks out there, and and there is some great next level bucks out there. I I sure would like to get one with my bow, um, but but a little bit tougher. I'm hunting a general rifle season out there with my bow, and so you know I always kind of if I can find a, a 160 inch deer, it's game on for me, but. Uh, I'm going to look for a look for a heavier one, more mature deer, look for kind of a bigger one here this season. I I am just down to being a weekend warrior. I I burnt so much vacation time and i'm so lucky i've, I've been hunting all over I, alaska and i did an early mule deer trip and i did uh, uh i did uh this this latest elk hunt i took time for that and and uh so i i really have nothing to complain about but god you just a guy wants to go so hard this time of year and and, and if you have the time you can kill a big buck it's it's all about having the time but I I'm down to, you know, now work responsibilities and making up for lost time and I've taken about all the time I can take. I've got to get some work done. So, I'm going to be weekend warrior it out here and it's uh uh, we'll, it'll just be bonsai trips where hopefully i can take off some fridays and make some three-day weekends but if not you know it'll be friday after work driving five six hours in the dark and get over there and then and then hunt for the weekend really hard and then come back sunday night after the sun goes down and five hours home and get some sleep and back to work and and do it all again the next week and i've got about three or four weekends during the rut and this pre-rut where i'm gonna do this and a Uh, I'm just going to go for it and see if I can't can't kill a nice one so um, I I love that this style of hunting this year for these rutting bucks it's so much fun I I love seeing these these good bucks Um, you know it's it's a time to kill a good buck I like the hunting the early season and their alpine environment and and there I like hunting you know big huge mountains and and vast backcountry and then this time of year you know I'll I'll do a, a couple trips out east and then i'll i'll probably do a couple trips to the mountains or at least one trip to the to the mountains up there just because like i say you've got that chance to find that that better next level heavy horn buck and not that you can't find that in Cooley country it just seems like i find more of them you know deep in the wilderness and and deep in the national forest and but but your odds of success go down as well you know you're you're way back in there you don't see as many of them you don't get as many calculated plays and they can they can be tough in this in this late season especially when they're rutting they just don't stop moving you know every once in a while you can bed one down with some does and he'll bed down and you get a good chance at him but but most of the time they're just cruising country um so you're trying to cut them off or get in front of them or or uh you know they they just they'll disappear with their does or they'll move too many canyons over and chase them where you lose sight of them and lose track of them and and so it, it's kind of tough to harvest them but it is the season to be hunting them you see the big guys come out of the woodworks you know and come out to to breed these does and so i, re- I really like looking for for these vast tracts of land in this coolie country and that so that's how i'm gonna spend my time i've got a bunch of places circled on a map places that i that i know are good and and then and then places that i have have barely scouted and then and then new places i'm going to go to and and break it up mornings and evenings and get back into these tracks of land and then and then it's just about getting stocks playing the wind and getting stocks and moving slow and knowing when to slow down and hopefully get narrow in one of these things so um you know and then i'll also do Dude, like rifle hunting with my with my kid this week. I'm really looking forward to this. It's a 2-day youth season where the youth gets to rifle hunt before the the general rifle season opens. And so we've got her all dialed in with her gun. We've been practicing our shooting positions and then we did live fire drills this last week and she's shooting this 7mm08. It's got like a kid stock on. It. She shoots it really well. And, you know, you just kind of forget hunting, hunting with kids, they don't have that, that killer instinct yet. And even though you train with them and work with them, you know, they don't know how to get their rest, acquire their target, squeeze off a shot, you know, all this stuff. It isn't second nature to them. It's all got to be taught to them. And so we do um, live fire drills and then... All this week we do practice where we, I say, okay, sitting position. And she gets in her sitting position with her tripod, acquires my archery deer target out there, and then just squeezes on the trigger and dry fires a shot at it. And then I say, okay, lay down position, throw down the pack and get down. And so we practice all these positions so she's familiar with them and knows them. But she's a good shot with this 7mm 08. And so this is going to be fun because this will be kind of an adventure hunt. And we hunted pretty hard last season, and she did get a deer. She shot a white-tailed deer here in our home valley but we didn't ever travel and and sleep under the stars and and uh uh, you know be halfway across the state or the country or whatever the case but it'll it'll just be fun to spend some time with her and team up and then you know we're not looking for some super giant or anything like that we're just looking for one that's bigger than last year so she shot a two point last year you know this year we're looking for a three or a four point so um we're going to go out and implement these tactics, these early season tactics, and get her cover country and, and into these spots that I know are good, and try to glass up a buck, and then, and then make an approach on it, and hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll make a good shot on her. I know she will. She's been training hard, and she made a perfect shot on that deer last year, and so she's put in the work just a matter of getting over there and doing some hunting, so we're going to leave uh, maybe Wednesday night after work, and I'm going to try to squeak these couple um a couple days where it's a youth only season 16 and under get to rifle hunt early and and uh, we're gonna get out and see if we can't get her a buck and and then it'll be on to me and hunting this this bow season uh or this rifle season with my bow but i just love it and i i do pretty good I, I bet you i've killed a buck maybe eight or nine years out of the past 10 years with my bow um during this rifle season and so you know i i uh uh, I, I just get on my orange and and i play coolies and keep myself hidden and make good plays and then it, eventually it just seems to work out for me and so i do that and then i've got a hunt coming up in january down in new mexico and last time i hunted new mexico was gosh it's it's been 2009 2010 somewhere in there i hunted it um i had a tag in riorebo county and and uh, riorebo county it's one of the biggest producers of Boone and Crockett bucks. This one county produces more than other states. It's a great county to to hunt mule deer, and it's actually like the, the best county in the lower 48 for Boone and Crockett mule deer. Well, that's the county I hunted last time. This time I have a unit that borders that county. Um, so I've never hunted, you know, the first time I hunted it, 2009, 2010, I went down there and, and uh, epic snow and there was mule deer that were migrating out of colorado and it's a little bit different you go to the the furthest southern reaches of the united states the the mule deer act just a little bit different they have the same tendencies in that but they tend to come down to these big flats at night and these big drainages and and feed away and and then go back up into the cover during the day and i was able to find some pretty good bucks and i um I ended up shooting a really nice buck down there. He was really tall, really big back forks, and I I killed him like on day nine. I had been hunting and living out of my wall tent. Um, gosh, it had got 10 below zero there. It was just a gnarly uh, uh, wintertime hunting down there, and I'd, I'd seen some really good bucks. In fact, the bucks I shot, I think I passed on the first day because I had seen a 200-inch buck along with this buck, and I gave a try for the 200 instead of this buck, and then I found this buck, I must have found him six, eight miles away, but it's the same exact deer and and found him in day nine. He looked a little better than than day one, and he was. He was a super nice, heavy-horned, older, mature deer. I think he scored close to... Uh, and 175 or somewhere right in there but really nice backs and 27 wide and what you're looking for and, and able to make a good stock on them just in knee deep snow or thigh deep snow down there caught them by himself and and as these deer start to get done uh, you know post rut and that's that's kind of what i'll be hunting them in january they they tend to go to winter range habits and and winter range habits aren't too much different then, um, other other than they're not really hanging with the does as much, you still see some bucks hanging with the does and looking for a secondary breeding cycle. But they tend to go off by themselves, and and then they just want to find a an I you know a isolated drainage or a drainage away from pressure or away from anything, and they just want to feed, and they they feed out later. Uh, in the mornings and they feed out earlier in the afternoons and they're hungry they got all their fat burned off from chasing all these does and so it's a great time of year to hunt them the cold keeps them out more and and so you're able to spot more deer um, out and about and and get chances at them and stocks at them so it's a it's a really fun time of year so I'm looking forward to this New Mexico hunt it'll take place uh, January 1st it'll be brand new to me it's it kind of looks like there's a lot of roads in this unit I'm hunting and not much backcountry, which worries me a little bit, but um, I've just been doing my map study and just trying to find the the places to get away from the pressure and good vantage points and big drainages where I think these things will be moving and, and try to attack it that way. And I, I'm sure I'll be able to locate some deer. And in this unit that I drew, it was actually my third choice. Um, but I hadn't had a tag in New Mexico in so long and I, you know, I'm happy to get it. Um, so it, it actually borders the unit where I killed this other buck, which, um, the, the unit, the tag that I did kill that buck out of, um, the percent or, um, the, the successful percent rate in that unit is hovers around like six or 7% for bow hunters. Well, this bordering unit, I got the tag in um success rate is like 21 percent. so bow hunters are more successful in this unit that i'm hunting so i think there'll be some good numbers down in there and like i say just work hard at my map study and i i think that's an important piece to the puzzle is wherever you're going hunting you know just study up on it and it doesn't have to be prior to season i mean it can be the day before you leave you spend three or four hours and 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 lay out your maps and just really look for the 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 vast tracts of land that are away from pressure where you know you can hike in and and then look for those vantage points like I'm saying look for high points that are going to show you a lot of country and then just put forth the effort you get there and and sleep and make sure you're up before light and and, uh, you get to that vantage point and watch the sun come up on that vantage point and just glass around vast tracts of land out there and and that's how you're going to find those deer and that's how you're going to find those bigger bucks during this mid to late season is using those vantage points using your glass letting your glass do the walking for you and and if you don't see what you're looking for don't get discouraged you just go to your next choice go to your next pot that's circled you know and if if you if you strike out a couple two three times well then maybe it's time for one of those scouting days where you need to find the deer numbers and hunt in and 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 just like i was saying earlier i use that a lot where i find good deer numbers and glass deer and you don't have to see a bunch of giant bucks or anything but even if i can just see uh, a bunch of does and maybe a couple smaller bucks it just gives me the idea that that's where the deer populations are hanging and and then i look for places to hike around there and look for the vast tracts of land around those populations and and that's how i do as good as i do um in the late season is looking for that And then I'll I'll hunt with my family as well a little bit. I always team up with my dad. Uh, We've got a good record of killing bucks. He killed a nice four-point last year, and we were able to get my cousin a nice four-point last year. He came out from Washington. He won't be out this year, um, but I think he'll come out next. But, uh, yeah, I'll hunt with my dad with a rifle a little bit, and then I've got another one of my uncles that lives out here, and, and so he'll be in camp. And so we'll go out and we'll try to get those guys a buck as well um hunt hard get them in those vast tracks and and see if we can't find a good deer for them to shoot as well so I, i'm looking forward to it. this is just a really fun time of the year to hunt mule deer and and focus on mule deer and then you know there's just nothing like the rut watching a a big old buck uh, uh is chasing a doe and rutting a doe and and fending off other bucks and uh it's just an exciting time of year to chase them so so i'm just super jack get out there with the bow i um you know i I kind of, I went on this elk hunt and then I was in Alaska and and during those times, you know, and I, I like to shoot my bow every single day, but I didn't get as many shots in as I needed to. And so, yeah, I'm just kind of back out of here where I'm trying to shoot, you know, every evening now, trying to get my arrows in, make sure I'm dialed in and, and, uh, make sure I'm ready for my opportunity to, to go chase these deer around. But, but yeah, if I can, if I could find a, just a really nice, heavy, older deer, I'd be psyched, um. So, so, yeah, I mean, we're just days away, kind of get set here and do a little hunting with the with the kid. And then my wife's got an antelope tag, so we're, we're going to get out for her here a little bit. We made a hunt this weekend after some antelope. So try to get her a buck down and kind of spend some family time and kind of regroup here and, and just get ready for the muley rut. Um, so, you know, I, I think um, when, when you're out there... I think um, a, a big thing is is just to keep your keep your mind right and keep going hard and. And Like I say, if it doesn't work out on your first first spot or or your backup choice or your or your next choice even just keep out there and keep on those vantage points and and especially as we're in this early season is you've got to you know you've got to find an isolated pocket where these bachelor groups of bucks are hanging out or where this solo buck is hanging out and then with a tight program, I mean you could sit on the perfect vantage point and just not be there at the right time and you're never gonna see them and so uh, you, you know, you got to keep your confidence up and just know that you're making the right plays. And, and, uh, I, I never, you know, I used to get caught up in this second guess myself a lot where I'd. You know, every morning you're faced with a decision of where you're going to hunt. Do I go back to this spot? Do I go to this new spot? Do I go to this vantage point? Do I drive down this spot? And and you kind of, you can get caught up in a second guess where you're not engaged in your hunt, where you start hiking to a vantage point and then you start going, oh, this isn't the spot. I haven't seen anything yet. And and I, I should have gone to this other spot. I need to get out of here. I need to go to this other spot and hunt this spot. And, and you're just not engaged in your hunt. And that's when you're walking along and you blow up a giant buck out of there and he takes off and you think god i should have been paying attention so you really got to engage in whatever decision you make right or wrong keep with it and see what lives in there give it all you got and and keep your your confidence up and, and keep your faith in the spot you're hunting and so when i choose a spot to hunt and i and i go in there that's the spot i'm gonna hunt i don't have another choice i'm not coming out i'm not going to a different spot i'm gonna see what lives there and even if i don't see anything Um, at least I know I hunted it effectively and I can cross it off the map and say there's well there's no big bucks in here the does aren't in here okay they're not in this spot time to go to my next spot but I think it's important because I think um, you know hunting just messes with our psyche so much and you want to make the right decision you got a limited amount of days and when you 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 know when you're not seeing deer, or you're not in the right spot. You're thinking, gosh, I should have gone to this spot or I should have gone to that spot, and you end up not glassing as hard, not walking as far, not giving it all you got. So so make sure you're engaged in your hunt when you're getting out there. I mean, get out there, believe in your spot, make that vantage point, look all around, do your hour, two hours from that vantage point. If you don't see what you're looking for, have another vantage point picked out where you're going to do a mid morning look. Maybe catch a rut buck moving through, and, and just keep keep moving keep the faith just really look what's into that spot and and be engaged in your hunt because um you you never know it only takes one mature buck to to make your hunt and so give it all you have in there and a lot of times these deer are so tough to glass I mean it's amazing you can sit on the vantage point for a half an hour 40 minutes not see anything and then all of a sudden you know here's a here's a group of does and a buck out out and off and in the distance you know that the one that you're looking to shoot so so keep your confidence up and then as far as stalking these these mule deer, like I say, they can be a little tricky. I love to bed them down. I mean, I'm I'm of course moving in with them uh, on them with a bow, and and so I like to bed them if I can. But a lot of times they just tuck away in the cover where you can't see them bed, and, and if that's the choice, you know, you you got to try to i'm always trying to relocate him i'm trying to close the gap and relocate him and so if i spot him from a mile it's like okay well um i'm not going to be able to see him put away from here or if you are able to see him put away in bed then you sit right on the vantage point and you bet him down you know and then you know where that thing is in his bed and you can make make a calculated play and a calculated stock on him you know after he chooses his bed but um, a lot of times, looking at them, you just go, "Man, I don't think I'm going to be able to see in bed. The cover's too thick, or timber's not right there, or you know they're going to go over that ridge, or whatever the case is." Then I want to try to close the gap and I want to try to get closer and relocate him from another vantage point. So instead of just running over and trying to kill that buck, I go, okay, where can I see that buck again from? Oh, maybe there's another knob or maybe across the draw or another ridgeline and I can close in and I just see him feeding there and go, gosh, I think I can make it there in 15, 20 minutes. And then I'll I'll hustle up and I'll try to get to that next spot. And then from that next spot, hopefully I can see him bed or relocate him and see what he's up to and then make another place. Now I've I've cut my distance in half, or I've cut my distance by two thirds. You know now, do I do I try to get on him? You know while he's out and feeding and up in his bed, do I try to watch him bed down? Is he gonna bed in too thick a cover? Do I try to cut out the herd? And every every scenario is different on these mule deer. You just you just gotta play the wind, work in closer, and look for your opportunity. But uh, I'm always trying to get closer and trying to get. You know in in striking distance where where i know i can make a move on this buck if he if he makes a mistake um so so always trying to close the gap find a new vantage point or a closer vantage point keep an eye on these bucks and then and then just trying to figure out my next move on them um so i i like hunting them bedded, but at the same time if you can't bet him down you know and this this time of year i'm more apt to hunt a buck on his feet than i am to bet him in that early Alpine hunting scenario. A lot of times, I, uh, the majority of the time, I bed the buck, know where he is, and then can move around him. But this time of year, like I say, they they move over a ridge or they bed in thick trees where you can't see them. Where you know sometimes you got to make a play while they're on their feet, and so you just kind of calculate and go, God, how long is he gonna feed out there? Is he is he gonna give me a chance to close in, uh, close the distance, get into striking distance, and say, okay, I'm I'm 400 yards, and that thing's feeding right there. He's kind of feeding up that ridge. I think I can cut him off on that thing, or I think I can get to him. Um, you know, if not, you know, then then you you try to locate that thing in his bed. You know, maybe. If he goes where I can't see him bed I'll try to get on the opposing hill or work around the backside of him and just figure, well, I'm just going to spend the day looking for this buck and see if I can find him. And, and and then, you know, I I try not to bump him or get too close, of course, but try to get to spots where the country opens up to me, where I may be able to see him bed And and then if not, then I'm, I'm going to play him in the evening and I'm going to grab a good vantage point in the evening. I'm going to see where this thing feeds out and then I'm going to try to make a play on him in the evening when he's out. Um... So I you know I, the approaches are kind of different this time of year is i I play these things a little bit more aggressive and i I'm more apt to hunt a buck on his feet and see if I can kill him on his feet um you know like I say, I love to bed him down, but a lot of times these bucks don't don't stop moving or or don't bed where you can see him and so um i'm more apt to stalk a buck on his feet and and with his day and that's another thing with his does he's preoccupied rutting these does and he'll really waste a lot of time out in the open you know trying to push these does around and rut these does around so you know you got you got more time to get to them too um so that's kind of the way i like to play these things uh when i'm when i'm stalking so not an exact science or exact every time you do this it's it's more uh um, just just gaining experience and gaining melee knowledge and and uh, keeping track of the winds and just kind of knowing what you can get away with and again stalking aggressively but not recklessly you don't want to cross a meadow where they can see you you don't want to push your wind to the wrong side and you know sometimes you think well i can i can cheat the wind like i have played this game before this is the, this is the stupidest mistake that i've made over and over again is I um the wind will be blowing over a ridge and it's blowing from me to the deer but I think well I can come over that ridge and my wind's just going to be drifting off and beyond him and and he's not going to smell me or it's just kind of diagonal over the ridge but he's he's in such a spot to where the perfect place to come over is right over the ridge problem is is the wind's blowing that way and I think well my wind's just going to drift off and I can shoot him right in his bed there he won't win me You know, I don't think that has ever worked out for you. You just can't fool a mule deer's nose, you know. And every time I make that mistake, I I just kick myself. And so anymore, I think I've done it enough times where I finally learned my lesson where it doesn't matter if he's in the perfect place and right over top of that ridge. That wind just does not carry your scent off, or it never does for me anyways. It just never seems to work out. And so... um, you know, bow hunter's mindset a lot of times is is just keeping that wind right. You know, you keep that wind right and you you know you've got one sense of that mule deer fool. He's not going to wind you. And if he doesn't wind you, you know, I know I can creep around and and uh, uh, mule deer, their sight is pretty good, but they pick up on movement. If you just freeze when they're looking in your direction, you know, you can you can get away with quite a bit. And, and, and this time of year, most of the times, it's not the bucks that catch you. It's going to be the does. You know, he'll have a group of four or five does and those are going to be the ones that you got to look out for and so um you know the best way to spot and stock these things is to use the terrain i love using ridge lines where it's like i know i'm going to be hidden all the way till i cross that ridge line and then i'll be able to see those deer and in in ridge line skills are so important for bow hunting being able to come over the top of a ridge and not come over too far and, and bust that animal seeing him before he sees you and and so I'll come to that ridge line and then, and then I really just slow down and I take a step and I glass with my binos and take another step and every step I'm exposing more over top of this ridge line and I, I know I have to see him first so I'm not gonna barrel over a ridge line and expose myself and, and the minute you think he's not there, he's laying right there and you walk over the top and he sees you and so it's so important to slow down on your ridge line assault. So you make it to that ridge line and then, like I say, just take a step glass, take a step glass and just really be slow and precise it's a big part of bow hunting is just knowing when to slow down and it you know if you're 500 yards out you don't need to be moving slow you know unless of course you know he's got a visual on you or something like that but but most of the time you're covering country quick to try to get to him before he puts away or to cut him off or or to beat this ridgeline but you gotta know when to slow down you gotta know when to when to slow down to just a creep and once you start getting close to the edge of that ridgeline you start worrying about yourself Sound because you know he's 50 yards over the top now all of a sudden it's step 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 you know you really slow down and then as as you get close to the ridge it's step glass glass step glass glass and just be looking to your left and looking to your right and you just got to see that thing first if he sees you first or the does see you first you know your chances of killing them go way down so um you know work on your ridgeline that salts when you're coming over the top use the terrain to sneak in on these things don't don't sneak in reckless don't sneak in where they can see uh, use the terrain and the landscape to to stalk him when he's in a good spot and if you can't get any closer and you're 100 yards away and it doesn't work out you can always back out of there and get a chance in the afternoon and the evening so you want to hunt them aggressively during the rut but but not recklessly you know if if that doe busts you she's gonna bust and she's gonna take that buck with or you know, and they're gonna be be gone and out of your life. And you know, sometimes you can you can catch up to a buck or figure out where they go. But a lot of times they they travel so many ridgelines or get over too far where where you can't relocate them or find them again. And and uh, so so you don't you want to try to make something happen but you don't want to force something play those winds right um know when to slow down and whether it's a a ridge line or or you're just coming like there's always going to be a time where you're going to disappear from these deer and you're going to be coming over the top or coming around the hill or coming to where this deer should be right here that's the time to slow down. Uh, and and I can't stress it enough. There, There's nothing worse than no, locating a big buck and and maybe closing into striking distance and, okay, he's in a good spot. I'm going to make a play for him. And, and then you make a play and you come around the ridge and you don't see him as you're coming around the ridge or you come around too fast or there's this... There's this thing that in your mind that says, God, I just want to hurry up and just see if he's right there. And you get this this hurry, rush, you know, take your steps, take your steps. Is he gone? Is he there? Is he there? I'm going to shoot. You know, and you get this adrenaline. It's when you need to calm yourself and just really take your time and step, 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 and, and uh, uh, be glassing the whole time and locate those deer before they see you. And if you can locate them before they see you, then you got a chance at killing them and you can make a play or you can readjust or, or do whatever you need to do. But so important to when you're spot and stalking these things to to know when to slow down and and practice that every time out and and make sure that you're not blowing up these deer that you that you've worked so hard to locate um so that's a it's a big secret of mine or not even a secret but a but a big tip of mine to to harvesting all animals really Uh, elk deer antelope bear you name it it's just knowing when to slow down you know you you move quick to cover distance and get to them but but once you get to the spot, you got to know when to slow down, and and uh, you got to pick out all those does. You know, like I told you, most of the time it's going to be a doe that picks you up, not the buck. And so you've got to keep tabs on these does and make sure that you, you know, if you see the doe first and you don't see the buck, just be patient. You know, he's probably closer to the hillside where you can't see him. He'll circle back around the does, or or maybe you just creep really slow. And what I like to do. Um, is like then duck back down and hide behind the ridge line and kind of crawl up a little closer. And then as I stand up, if she's looking at me, I know I can't stand up any further than the grass line, but if if she's not, I can just keep standing up really slowly and all all your movements Um, Just like your steps and just like looking at them over the ridgeline need to be slow and they need to be like the hands of a clock. Nothing spooks a game animal or a mule deer more than when you try to rush something like hurry up and get drawn or hurry up and stand up. Like everything is like the hands of a clock. If you move slow, it's amazing what you can get away with. Whether you're drawing slow, you're aiming your bow slow, you're standing slow, everything is slow. Um, It, like I say, like the hands of a clock, you just um whenever you're exposing yourself whenever you're moving in tight range of these mule deer just slow down all your motions and and amazing sometimes the deer will have you busted and i'll be looking in your direction but if you move slow like the hands of a clock getting your bow up and getting your bow drawn um you know execute your shot i mean it's amazing sometimes they'll just stand there and and wait for you to shoot so so if you always move slow never rush never move quick uh, another habit bow hunters have is is every time they see a deer or see an elk or see a game animal in the field is they want to duck down real quick and And it it, I mean it makes sense I mean um, uh, game animals or deer they recognize humans as this um, you know total stand up erect profile of a you know a large tall human and so when you crouch down you're almost a little hidden but the problem is is when you see this animal and you crouch down really fast you make this huge fast movement to crouch down all of a sudden they pick up on this movement and, and and then you're busted and you don't have a chance so even if you're standing straight up if a deer looks over in your direction or you just come across and see a deer that's when you need to be still and be patient you stand still until that deer looks away from you or until that deer makes a move and, and sometimes i'll have to stand still even just because a doe's watching me for 20 30 minutes and and sometimes she'll forget about me and go back to feeding and think it's nothing and you're you're using your camo patterns and you're breaking up your outline but just be still don't don't have this this um the, this overwhelming desire to crouch down and get your silhouette down because it's movement that animals see and i i've always believed that i you know i i hunt with with good camo patterns and that and good open country patterns but a lot of times i'm just hunting solid colors i'm hunting grays and and browns and tans and and i've just learned over the years that it's it's you know, it's not the camo pattern that hides me. I mean, I like open country camo patterns, but it, it's animals pick up on movement. That's what they see. If you make the right moves, I mean, I'll be hunting deer out here in eastern Montana. I'll be wearing hunter orange while hunting them with my bow. And it that doesn't scare me a bit. I I wear hunter orange, like I say, the last... 9 out of 10 years or 8 out of 10 years whatever it is that I've killed a buck I'm, I'm wearing hunter orange cuz it's during rifle season they I just know that they pick up on movement and they just don't see me if I if I don't if I move slowly and and they don't catch me moving I can get away with 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 everything i can get away with moving into position and getting drawn all with hunter orange on so to me the the camo you know it 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 helps but it's not the ultimate for me like i say i'm not afraid to wear solid colors or even orange animals pick up on movement um so so always be moving slow when you're when you're getting in close and when you're taking your shot and when you're getting a range and and uh, you know you think you'd want to hurry and hurry up and get a shot and just not the case you want to move slow so you don't spook those things and they'll they'll put up with you being there if they do spot you I mean in the ultimate scenario you know you you never move fast and they never pick you up and never see you never see you there and you're able to place a a perfect arrow in a buck that's just rutting around and gives you a good broadside shot i mean that's the perfect scenario for sure but Um, you know, even if you get busted, if you're just moving slow, like I say, it's amazing what you can get away with. So, so remember that when you're out in a field and, and always try to move like the hands of a clock and, and, uh, move slow. And and it's like, again, it's, it's knowing when to move slow. Sometimes you got to close distance and, and sometimes that kills you too. You know, you got to close distance to, to get close to a buck so you can have a chance at them. But, but a lot of times moving in, You know, there's a deer you didn't see, or a doe you didn't see that spooks over into that deer. And so. I try to move quick where I can, and then you know sometimes there'll be five ridgelines until I get to that deer. Well, every ridgeline I come up and over before I get to that deer, all of a sudden before I expose myself over that ridgeline, I'm slowing down. So anytime I'm seeing new country or seeing a a new spot in country, I'm really slowing down and I'm looking around and I'm making sure there's not another deer there that's going to blow up the scenario. And then once I've scanned everything and I know there's nothing in that bottom into the next ridge, now I'm going to hustle to the next ridge over and then as soon as i get to the top of that one i'm going to slow down and look and and make sure that i don't spook a deer in front of me but it, it's just this this game in bow hunting of knowing when to slow down and if you know when to slow down and it's not going to be perfect every time you know you're going to you're going to spook a deer you're going to make you know you're going to go too fast over a ridge line but just learn from it and, and just just try to teach yourself when the right time to slow down on deer is and and you'll start to get in sync with the woods and in sync with hunting mule deer Um, to where then you you just know the right spots to slow down and how fast you need to go in each scenario and you know if you're going too fast where they can hear you, they're going to pick up on your sound and know you're there. And and, and so you just kind of learn when the right time is to slow down and what yardage, you know, when you're 150 yards out, you know, you start moving slower and being quieter and then at 100 yards out, you've got a totally different pace and then, you know, your last closing the distance 50 yards, you know, you just like the hands of a clock as slow as you can move and as quiet as you can move so try to teach yourself when to slow down um I, another you know i don't i don't uh grunt at bucks a whole lot but every once in a while you'll be at full draw and have a good yardage and and need to stop that buck and a, a grunt will do that and and you kind of um, needs to be second nature, um, to, to know how to stop these bucks just in case you don't know if they're going to be spooked and start to go and, and, and you can give him a grunt or, um, uh, or, or if you need to stop him because he's walking and chasing a doe and, and, you know I like to let things stop naturally, but once things are blowing up and things are spooking or things are going or or maybe I'm full drawn, the buck's gonna walk away. You know, having that that in your arsenal to be able to grunt at a buck and and stop him, you know, and have him stop right there and give you a shot or when he's spooked or you might get a second look. But but have that in your bag of tricks as as well when you're hunting rutting deer, just to be able to to stop him and get their attention, but. But I, I I just love spot and stocking these things this time of year and, and usually, you know, once the, the pre rut really gets going and the rut gets going and then winter range you know you see a lot of deer and you you get a lot of opportunity and and that's what's fun to me is that excitement that's what I wait all year for is when you're you're finally stalking and you're getting a chance and you're testing yourself against these these deer or these rutting bucks and so that's it's part of it that that I really enjoy so I'm psyched even though I'm down to being a weekend warrior I'm going to hunt as absolutely as hard as I can and and try to pick up a Friday here or there and make for some three-day weekends and then this trip in January I'll be be able to bank my time here and get some work done get get a couple of these projects out of my hair and then uh, in January I'll be able to take a week or hopefully close to 10 days we'll see and and go down to uh, New Mexico here and chase these bucks this this late winter range and and uh, the, it can be tough in January because we get a lot of snow and in here in Montana too and the I don't really love the snow anymore you know I used to think that you want a bunch of snow to be hunting and so the snow's got good and bad. The snow, it's it's easier to glass up mule deer. They stick out more. It brings them out of the high country. It gets them moving more, gets them feeding later. And so snow can be a good deal, but I don't really like the snow because of the, the noise it creates. I hate the crunch of the snow and the crunch of the snow can make it really tough to harvest animals. And, and that was one of the keys to my success last time in New Mexico with knee deep snow. And then every night it would freeze. Well, you couldn't stalk in the morning. They'd just hear you coming. They'd hear the crunch of the snow. And so what I'd have to do is I'd have to wait till about noon and about noon to then four or five o'clock or six o'clock whenever the sun went down, I can't remember exactly, um that, that so snow would soften up and then it'd be quiet enough where you could stalk. And so that's super important. If you're hunting deer in the snow is is uh pay attention to how crunchy it is. And if it's crunchy in the morning, just don't don't go for it and don't push it, because they'll just hear you coming with those big ears and, and uh you'll be busted. And so wait till that snow softens up Um, uh, it it isn't quite as noisy and so only stock in the afternoon so there may be some adjustments you have to make in your stocking with the with the conditions and so uh, if the snow is crunchy I'll wait till midday to stock and and also midday is really good to stock mule deer too because um, that's usually when the directional winds come up most of the places I hunt the winds are strongest in the afternoon to the evening and, and that wind is really your best friend i mean it's not easy to shoot in the wind all the time but wind noise with those mule deer their big ears that that wind whips by their ears and they just can't hear you and like we were talking about their scent and knowing your wind's always right and taking that sense away if you've got a good wind you know that your sound's covered and you don't got to worry about them hearing you in those last few yards or at least you got a better chance and so now all of a sudden you you've got your scent right and that's one sense and you've got the hearing beat that's another sense all of a sudden, of a sudden there are two senses down and and this chess game is getting easier and easier easier because you've got two of those those elements where they can catch you or where they can bust you and and you pretty much knock those off and now you know the only thing you got to worry about is them seeing you you know and if if that's all you got to worry about on a mule deer well you know you got pretty good odds of killing that thing so uh be paying attention and and you may have to adjust your your stocking to what the conditions are and and uh uh the afternoons are always better with winds whether there's snow or no snow though the wind just messes with their ears and messes with their their hearing to where they don't catch you coming in so a lot of times if you find a good buck that's your highest percentage is to hunt him in the um, in the afternoon or evening afternoon best case if you got him in his bed but if not then you play him in the evening where he comes out to feed and you use those winds to your advantage to take that that sense out of it so he doesn't catch you and and there's, there's two schools of thought, you know, I, I always like a bedded mule deer and I've already gone over this, but I like a bedded mule deer because he's in that same spot and I can really take my time to get to that spot and that location where I know he's at. The other end of it is a feeding mule deer is, is occupied with feeding and you can keep tabs on this deer and you can see if his head's up and alert or if he's down and feeding and if he's down and feeding you know you can kind of move and keep tabs on him that way and and so you know a, a deer up and feeding is really a pretty good deer to stock you just got to pay attention to where the does are you know and and then use the terrain to get in close but um anyways I'm just I'm just super jack Montana New Mexico and I think I'm planning on a hunt. I have, um, uh, I've harvested a mule deer out of a bunch of Western states, and I I'm really proud of it that I've been able to harvest them in all these different states. And the the one state that I have not harvested a mule deer out of, and I haven't even hunted, is Idaho. And Idaho, it it borders my state of Montana, but I've I've never been able to really locate a spot that that's a good backcountry early spot or or late season. I I think I you know i've I've been picking up leads and paying attention to Idaho and doing my map research and my studying and i I think I've finally got a spot I want to pull the trigger on next year in idaho and and Idaho has a great bow season that's gonna go uh n- November first to November thirtieth I believe so it's right in the heart of the rut so i'm gonna I'm going to throw all my chips in and see if I can't harvest an Idaho muley. So I think I'll make that hunt next year, not this year. Um, But I'm going to plan on it and get over there. And it's a bow-only season, which is really nice to where I'm not competing against the rifle hunters. And maybe I can look for a little bigger deer because the, the pressure will be off a little bit. So I'm super excited to hunt that. But there's a lot of great opportunities for for late season mule deer for the bow hunter there's a lot of great tags in nevada that are draw tags um there's tags in the late season in arizona that are over the counter um you know there's good draw tags in new mexico for the late season idaho you know they've got that over the counter montana you know it's a draw hunt but fairly easy draw where you can hunt the rut um Utah, I mean, you can hunt that Wasatch Front that just has some giant bucks. I mean, and not only the Wasatch Front, there's a couple different units that that are bow-only. And the cool one about Utah is they've got a tag there for the Wasatch um, that I've drawn that I killed one of my best bucks out of. But you can hunt it early season. It opens... uh, it i think it's august 15th it opens and so you can hunt this early season mule deer if you don't kill your deer then you come back in in november and you hunt them during the rut um, on the front right there so so that's a really good option too for a tag because it's a tag that you can hunt early and hunt late and those are the two best seasons to hunt mule deer you know and and there's a little bit of pressure around there but it's that same deal of, of getting away from the pressure and there's good deer numbers in there and giant bucks so so the utah is another good option for for guys to hunt there's there's tags in north dakota in the badlands there guys get good hunting so there's a lot of opportunity for late season deer hunt and it, it it's such a great opportunity for us bow hunters to get out and and uh that excitement of the rut and just like hunting you know there's nothing like hunting elk during the rut and it's the same thing with mule deer there's nothing like hunting mule deer during the rut it's just so exciting and so thrilling and and you never know when you're gonna see that giant buck and get a chance at him so um anyways guys I, I hope you guys uh, uh, get out for one of these late season hunts and and hope you're able to get a good arrow in a buck and and picked up a few tips today that'll help you out and and uh, on stocking those things and locating them and, and kind of your game plan whether you're hunting um, the mountains or you're hunting coulee country so uh, so that's it for this this episode I'm gonna take off hunting here Wednesday I probably try to get another podcast out I um, you know I definitely want to continue to get one a week even though it's it's hunting season I, I'm gonna work hard to get one out a week and and then eventually I'd like to do two a week or um, you know there may be a, a week where I can do a couple of them and so uh, I'm just gonna keep working hard to, to keep getting you guys good information and and you guys have given me a bunch of really good ideas that I've got all written down and so now it's about choosing the right ideas for the for the right time of year to get you guys good information so uh get out there and and uh get your big buck stuck and and uh if you do tag me in a a post so i can see a picture of it so uh good hunting out there to you guys we'll talk to you soon